Amen. Thank you, Miss Kirky. Uh, boy, if I could tell you anything about my God, and I hope he's your God this morning, it's that he's faithful. It's one of the attributes of our God. He's faithful, and I'm so thankful that his faithfulness to me is not dependent upon my faithfulness to him. Uh, because if God quit being faithful to me the moment I was unfaithful to him, then our relationship wouldn't have lasted very long. But I'm thankful that God is faithful, and God keeps his word, and God keeps his promises. And I'm thankful this morning we're going to open his word, and we're going to learn a little bit more about just how much God keeps his word. And I, I ask you this morning, take your Bible out, turn to the book of Exodus chapter 2. Not a hard book to find, second book in the Bible. Exodus 2, do want to welcome our visitors again. Good to see you. See a lot of folks I may not know. And uh, be in prayer for the people we do know that are not here today. A lot of folks are out sick, a little bug going around, but thank the Lord we have strength and help to be able to come this morning. Exodus 2, if you're there, let's stand together in honor of the reading of God's Word. I won't read all of this this morning, uh, just enough to give you some context. I'm sorry, go to Exodus 3, all right? I'm going to skip over 2. Let's go to Exodus 3. And uh, we'll begin there, somewhere around verse number 9, verse number 10. If you want to be locating that, this morning we're going to be looking at one of our favorite biblical characters, Moses. And uh, Moses is definitely one of those people that I want to meet when I get to heaven. I look forward to hearing from him just how God worked in his life. I've read it, uh, but there's nothing like hearing it firsthand of how God did what he did through the life of Moses. And in chapter 3 of Exodus, he's calling Moses. Moses is in the early moments of what God's about to do with his life. Verse 1 down through about verse 8, he's telling him, Moses, I've heard the cry of my people. Aren't you glad for that today? That God hears the cries of his children. He knows when you're suffering. He knows when you're going through a trial and you're struggling. He tells him, verse 1 through verse 8, I've heard their cries. I see their captivities and afflictions, and I'm going to bring them out. And then he gets to verse number 9. He says, Now therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel has come, up unto, uh, come unto me. And I have also seen the oppression wherewith the Egyptians oppressed them. Verse 10, key verse today, Come now, therefore, and I will send thee unto Pharaoh, that thou mayest bring forth my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. And Moses said unto God, Who am I? that I should go unto Pharaoh and that I should bring forth the children of Israel out of Egypt. And he said, certainly I will be with thee. And I want you to pay attention to verse 12. It's going to be our key text today. I will be with thee, and this shall be a token unto thee that I have sent thee. When thou hast brought forth the people out of Egypt, ye shall serve God upon this mountain. Let's stop there and pray. Lord, I thank you for your word and this wonderful truth, Lord, you stirred our heart with this week. Lord, never preached on, Lord, what you've given us today, but boy, what an exciting thought it is. I pray you'd help me to say things the way you'd have them to be said. I know what the message is. You've sent it and you were clear, and I pray you'd help me be clear today. Lord, if there's a distraction here this morning in the service, in our hearts, whatever it is, I pray you'd just Lord, guard our heart, guard our eyes this morning, that we'd be able to hear from you. Lord, I pray that during the invitation time, Lord, we'll take the truth that you give us and respond to it. If there's one here today, Father, and they're battling back and forth of whether or not you're their God, that you're their Father, and that if you, they die, they're going to heaven to be with you, I pray that you'd make that clear. And in the invitation time, I pray somebody be saved today. For it's in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. I've read this passage many times, reading through the Bible. It's one of the first ones you read, uh, obviously being the second book of the Bible, and 
knowing what God's about to do through Moses, uh, I get excited for him. Reading about these first few moments where God speaks to him from the burning bush and uh, Noah or Moses responding to God, having no idea what God was about to lead him to do. And getting exciting, thinking about the things he would see, the places he would go, and all the experiences he was going to have with God. You know, many times in my life I have said, well, I wish I knew what the future holds. You ever said that? Wish I knew what the future holds. I've said that. And, but then there are times after I have lived the future, I'm thankful I didn't know. Uh, because if I had known the future, I may not have ever left my house to begin with. Because the future would be scary. There would be hills to climb, there would be difficulties that I would encounter, and I had no clue what I was going to go through, but I'm thankful that God was there in the future that I didn't know at the time. Now, here we are thinking about Moses this morning. He's already hesitant. He's already trying to talk God out of why he can't do what God's called him to do. Don't you know that if Moses knew what the future was, he probably would not have ever begun this journey with God? All of the plagues that would hit Egypt and Pharaoh threatening him and pursuing after him at the Red Sea, uh, I'm I'm thankful that that Moses didn't know because he probably would not have set out on this journey. But then God gives him something, and I want you to see this this morning, very simple truth today. Boy, God gives him something that's a game changer in verse number 12. Moses asked him in verse number 11, how am I going to do this? God says, certainly I will be with thee. Boy, thank God for that. But then watch what he says. I've never preached on this one particular line here. This shall be a token unto thee that I have sent thee when thou hast brought forth the people out of Egypt, ye shall serve God upon this mountain. So here is is, is Moses at Mount Horeb. God calls out to him through a burning bush and Moses turns aside to hear from God. God tells them, I want you to go into Egypt. I'm going to lead you to lead my people out of Egypt. And he says, I don't know that I can do this, God. Who am I? I don't think that I can accomplish this great thing you're you're calling me to do. And God says, I'm going to give you a promise. I'm going to give you a token. And that token was a promise that the very mountain that they stood at and had this conversation with, that as God led him out into Egypt... God would just as surely bring him back to that mountain. Now, don't miss this this morning, if you will. It's precious as we read through the Word of God how often we find God's purposes accompanied by promises. You know, God doesn't have to do that. God could say, hey, go here, go there, do this, do that, and we ought to do it. Why? Because he's my father and I am his child. Right? Is that what we expect of our kids? My mom and dad, look, my mom and dad believed in corporal punishment. Mom and dad did not say, son, if you do this, we're going to give you a candy bar. Now, sometimes they gave me a candy bar, probably more than I needed in my lifetime. I still like candy bars to this day. Mom and dad would say something. They just expected you to do it. They didn't go, one, two, three, and a half, for, no, they just kind of said it and expected it. Weird. They're from the olden days, okay? They just believed in this thing called respect and obedience. I know it's foreign today, but they believed in that. And by the way, I do too. And yet we see our father here. Watch this. He includes a promise with his purpose. He says, I, I want you to know there's a promise on the other end of this. 
That even though I'm calling you to this purpose to go become the deliverer, there's a promise. Just as sure as you walk out of here and go into Egypt, I'm going to bring you back. Think about it this morning, Matthew 6, The Bible says, seek ye first the kingdom of God. That is our purpose. The Bible says, and all these things shall be added unto you. That's his promise. He gives us a purpose. He gives us a promise. What does the Bible say in the book of Psalms 126? They that sow in tears. Oh, God's called us to go sow the good seed of the gospel so that people can be saved. And sometimes we go and we sow in tears. We are bearing forth precious seed, the Bible says. But the Bible says we'll reap in joy. They that sow in tears shall reap in joy. Purpose, promise. Galatians 6, 9. Let us not be weary in well-doing. That means don't get weary, don't give up, don't get tired. You say, but God, it's hard to do well. Absolutely, this stuff we live in does not want to do well, does it? The Bible says that we're going to reap, due season, we're going to reap if we faint not. The purpose is followed by a promise. Now, here's what I want you to see what the promise was. God says in verse 12, Moses, I'm giving you this token that this mountain that I'm talking to you by When you leave out of here and you go into Egypt, I'm going to bring you right back to this very same place. Here's what God is saying. As perilous as the journey was going to be that Moses was going to go on, God reassured him, watch this, the journey would come full circle. That's what I want you to see today. I'm thankful today that we serve a God who is not a dead-end God that leads you out and never brings you back in. He told Moses, Moses, your faith, you got to trust me. And the kind of faith that we have in the God that we have, watch this, ought to be a full circle faith. That the very God that is God enough to call us and to send us is the same God and God enough to bring us back until our faith comes full circle. Folks, can I tell you this morning, I'm afraid that God's people have forgot about the wonderful attribute that Miss Kirky sang about a moment ago, and it's the fact that we have a faithful God, that when he calls us and gives us a purpose, that watch this, he's not sending us out to die. He's sending us out to have a full circle faith, and the very God that gave you the purpose also gave you the promise that he's going to bring you right back. Here's the truth I want you to see this morning. God says, Moses, I want you to have a full circle faith. I want you to have a full circle faith. Moses, I know you're worried about how you're going to do this and what they're going to say and how you're going to go talk to Pharaoh and you're worried they're going to put you in prison and kill you for what you did years ago. Moses, you need to have a full circle faith. I'm the same God that's going to send you out that's also going to bring you back in. I'm afraid too many of us quit this morning. Uh, We all want to quit sometimes, right? God calls us to a purpose. God calls us to a place. God calls us to a task in our life to fulfill his will. And we get out on the journey of his will for our life and it gets difficult and then we have all these things crashing in on us and we want to quit on God. Can I tell you, you serve a full circle God. That the very God that called you out and the very God that gave you the purpose is the same God that gives you a promise that he's going to bring you back again. This morning, we've got to find a full circle faith. Can I tell you that this morning? We've got to find a full circle faith, and that's what we're going to preach about today. I'm going to show you why you can have a full circle faith. There's no reason for you to doubt your God. Look, you can doubt the government all day long. I do. I do. Every time I write my tax check out and, oh, we're here, aren't we? It's already April. Quench the spirit right there. It's over. 
You're like, yeah, you used to press me now. Every time I write my tax check out, I try to convince myself that, man, it's going to help some people out and kids in the hospital and feed people around the world. I know they're going to waste it. I don't have any confidence in them. Look, you can doubt the government. You can doubt people. You can doubt friends. But listen to me. You have no reason to doubt God. Why? He's a full circle faith God. The God that leads you out is the same God that wants to lead you back. But you've got to understand why this morning. And I'm going to show you why you can have a full circle faith. Let's look at this message if we could this morning. Finding a full circle faith. Look to verse 12, if you will. He says, certainly I will be with thee. And this shall be a token unto thee that I have sent thee when thou dost, uh, hast brought forth the people out of Egypt. Ye shall serve God upon this mountain. Now, verse 12, do you know what verse 12 is? Verse 12 is actually an answer to verse 11. All right? It's important that when you read the word of God, you read it in context. Verse 12, we can just preach on verse 12 all day long. But it's important to see the context of what verse 12 is all about. Verse 12 is the answer to verse 11. What was the question in verse 11? Watch what he says. Who am I? Who am I? Now here's God. God's calling Moses to go be the deliverer of Egypt. What an honor. Moses looks up at God and Moses says, well, who am I? Who am I? He says, God, I don't know that I'm the man to get this job done. Have you ever felt like that? God ever called you to do something? God ever led you to do something? God ever given you a purpose? And you look up at God and says, are you sure? You got the right guy? All right? You didn't put that mail in the wrong box, did you? Uh, I mean, hey, there's people that are more qualified than me to do this job. God, are you sure you got the right guy? By the way, God's always sure. God never second guesses himself. Moses says, who am I? God, I don't know that I can do this. Here's what God tells him in verse 12. Oh, by the way, Moses, it really has nothing to do with you. Watch what he says. Certainly I will be with thee. Can I tell you why you can have a full circle faith this morning? You can have a full circle faith because God wants to work, number one, this morning in spite of self. All right? Now, here's Moses saying, God, I'm not sure I'm the right man for this job. God, who am I? And God says this in verse 12. I love the way he says this. Certainly, I will be with thee. It's almost like God was saying, Moses, you didn't think you are going to do it yourself, did you? Moses, you didn't have this wacky idea that I actually thought you could do it. By the way, it's not us. It's God that works in us. Matter of fact, you look at that word certainly, it means of course or obviously. Okay? Let's reread this together. God says, Moses, I, I want you to go. Verse number 10. Moses says, God, who am I? Verse 11. God says, obviously, I will be with thee. Obviously. Can I tell you something? Look, you don't have any reason to doubt God this morning. Do you know why? Obviously, he's going to be with you. You say, God, I don't know that if I can parent teenagers... Well, it's kind of late to be deciding that. You know, you can't take them back to the shelter. They're yours. You're like, well, I don't know. Listen, I don't know that, that I have what it takes to be a godly husband. Hey, check your finger. If there's a ring on there, too late. Too late. You're in it now. You've been snared, man. Uh, you're in the trap. Look, it's not about you doing it. God says, certainly, I will be with thee. And you can have a full circle faith today. Do you know why? Because God's going to do it in spite of you anyway. It wasn't you that was going to get the job done. There are times I get ready to come out here and preach. And boy, last thing I do before I walk out the office, I have a place that I pray every service before I preach. And I confess to God, God, I can't do this. And then I watch this. I rejoice with the Lord knowing he never intended me to. God never says, 
Jeremiah Andrews, I hope you got it, all the skill set needed to lead Central Baptist Church because it's yours now. Oh, no, can I tell you something? Certainly, he will be with me. Obviously, the God that called me here is going to do the work. He just wants to work through us. Amen? Oh, folks, listen to me. Relax a little bit today. It's going to be all right. He says, Moses, no need to worry. I mean, watch this. God didn't go, Moses, you can do it because you're the man. He didn't pump up his ego. By the way, that's the last thing we need because pride goeth before destruction. He didn't go, Moses, you can do this. Come on. You had Wheaties for breakfast. You drank a Red Bull a while ago. Moses, you got this. Get in there and get those people out of Egypt. No. He said, Moses, it wasn't going to be you anyway. Watch this. Do you suddenly feel a little relief? That the purpose for which God has called you to comes with a promise, and that promise is that he would certainly be with you. I have a 16-year-old daughter. It's been about three weeks now. We're into year 16. Uh, I've, never had a, I've never had to raise a daughter that was 16 years old before. In the last few days, my wife's been sick, and I've been having to do it by myself. Oh, boy, I've learned to appreciate my wife even more. I've even had to drive her a Volkswagen around. How humiliating is that? My car's in the shop, they're getting it fixed, and I'm driving this Volkswagen around, and, and man, trying to keep up with things and say, Lord, I, I don't know that I can be the dad of a 16-year-old in 2023. He says, don't worry, certainly I will be with thee. God says, I'm going to do it in spite of yourself. I, I want you to think about when he called Jeremiah, the prophet Jeremiah. What did he say? And Jeremiah says, oh, Lord, ah, Lord, I, I can't. Now, think about this today, if you would. How often do we quit on the will of God and the reasoning behind it is because of something we couldn't do? We couldn't do. Jeremiah says, I I can't speak because I'm a child. Matter of fact, if you look at chapter 4, down verse number 10, Moses said unto the Lord, oh my Lord, I am not eloquent. Can I tell you, if your reasoning, the reason that you're not fulfilling God's purpose in your life begins with the letter I, you've got it wrong anyway. I can't, God. I'm not eloquent. I'm not super spiritual. God, I don't have it all figured out. God, I can't. Can I tell you, if you've quit on God's purpose for your life and your reasoning begins with I, you quit for the wrong reasons. Why? Because it was never about you anyway. It was never about me anyway. He said, Moses, certainly or obviously I will be with thee. What did old Gideon say when God called him? Judges chapter 6, he says, Lord, how am I going to deliver Israel I am the least in my house. And God says, it's not about you, Gideon. It's all about me. You ought to keep moving in God's purpose for your life this morning. Can I tell you why? Because God wants you to have a full circle faith in spite of yourself, in spite of who you are and what you can't do. Paul put it this way in Galatians 2.20. I'm crucified with Christ, nevertheless, I live Watch this, Paul says, I'm crucified, I'm dead to self. But what are the next words he says as the sentence continues on in that verse? Yet not I. Paul says, what is happening in in me and through me, it's, it's not of me, it's not I. But what do you go on to say? It's Christ that's in me. Folks, relax a little bit today. 
God's purpose comes with a promise that the God who gave you the purpose is going to bring you in just as surely as he sent you out. And when you start doubting whether or not you can do and you got enough stick'em power to stay with what God called you to do, hey, don't worry. It was never about you or your strength anyway. It was always about God. Thank God. Watch this. I can have a full circle faith in spite of myself. God says, verse 11, Moses, it's not about you in verse 12. Yesterday was Brother Bo and Miss Hannah's wedding. They're tuning in this morning and uh, watching. I talked to him a little while uh, this morning. And I, during the wedding, I, I talked about how I met Brother Bo when he was about yay big. And he's not here to, uh, to throw rocks at me. He was just a little wiry, nerdy kid. And I uh, met him at a church that I preached at years ago. And through the years, I'd preach at that church. And uh, see, see that little wiry, red-headed kid grow and grow. And then one time I went to the church. And, man, he's just beating up that piano like he's mad at it. And, Talking to his mom after the service yesterday, she said, I never thought when you first came and preached at our church one day that, that one day Brother Bo would go to church with you and y'all would be co-laborers in ministry together. And she said these words in our four-year yesterday. She said, it's amazing how God brings things full circle. I said, that's just how God works. God brings things full circle. Hey, God's not a half-hearted God. God's not going to lead you out to die. Whatever it is that God has given you to do in your life, can I tell you something? God's going to bring you back just as sure as he sent you out. Several years ago, I was in Louisiana. We were out door knocking in a little community not far from our church. I met a gentleman that I had heard of in that area, but I didn't know him and knocked on his door. And it's an old preacher man. His health had declined, wasn't able to be super faithful in church, wasn't able to get around and uh, standing there at his door, began to talk to him, invited me in, and he says, where are you from? And I said, I'm from Mississippi. He said, what part? I says, well, middle of the woods, Carson, Mississippi, the big metropolis of Carson. We have two gas stations there. And uh, he says, how far are you from Hattiesburg? And I said, not far. Hattiesburg was our Walmart, you know. That's where we had to go to really go to Walmart. There at Columbia. We often go to Hattiesburg because it had more. And he says, I used to know a, a preacher there that I thought highly of that I preached with many times before. And I said, what was his name? And he says his name was C.R. Williams. I said, I've heard of C.R. Williams. I said, I, I heard him preach. I was at his funeral several years ago. And got to know this gentleman, great, great man of God, faithful man of God, and he's in heaven now. One day I went over to visit him again, and he says, I have a gift for you. And uh, I says, you don't have to give me anything. I said, just the wisdom, opportunity to sit and visit with you is worth it. He says, no, I want to give you something. And he gave me two records, two records that hang in my office. Uh, they are uh, the choir of, of Central Baptist Church. And on there is Brother C.R. Williams, Brother Meadows, Carl Hatch is on there, Brother Golf on the back of it. He gave me another one. It never was open. It was the soul-winning demonstration by Carl Hatch. And on the back of it, there's Central Baptist Church and the buses of Central Baptist Church and Brother Williams there on the, on the top right. These hang in my office. And I look up every once in a while, and I'm amazed at the fact that I serve a full circle God. Thinking, wow. Man, God gave me those records years ago, and they were in my office in Louisiana. Never thought that they'd be sitting in the office of Central Baptist Church, Hattiesburg. Can I tell you, that's the kind of God we serve. It's a full circle God. Don't give up on him. Don't quit on him. Don't go home. Why? The same God that gave you the purpose also gave you a promise. He says, I don't know. Listen, Moses didn't know what was going to happen to him between here and there. But what he did know was he served a faithful God. And the God that took him out was the God that was going to bring him back in. I wonder this morning what you're missing out on because you give up on God. 
You get out there and doing what God called you to do, and you're like, boy, this ain't worth it, and you quit, and you never see what God wanted to do, bringing you full circle back to that place where he called you. One of my favorite stories in Scripture is Mephibosheth. And, well, that's a tongue twister there, Mephibosheth. If you know the story of Mephibosheth, and don't worry, you're not going to have to have a spelling test to get out of here this morning because I don't know that I could get it right. Mephibosheth was the grandson of King Saul, Jonathan's son. You know the story that Mephibosheth lived in a good life in the early days of his life. Why? Because he was the king's grandson. He was a prince. And then at Jezreel, Saul and Jonathan were killed. His dad and his grandfather were killed at Jezreel. And you know the story of when a new king would come in and take over rule, the way that you eliminate a future rivalry is you kill all the offspring of the other king. So his nanny goes and grabs Mephibosheth and begins running with him to hide him because surely as a descendant of the king, he could one day grow up to be a rival. And so she's got to get him to safety. So in one moment, he's gone from living a good life and feasting as a young person, as a grandson of the king. The next moment, she has taken him up in her arms and she is fleeing with him. Stick with me. The Bible says that along the way as she's fleeing with him, she falls, she trips, she drops him. And he becomes wounded and crippled. So watch the story of his life. He goes from feasting as a grandson of the king. Now he's fleeing, and now he's fallen. And now he would live the next many years of his life in fear. Because if they knew he lived, they would kill him. Well, that's what they assumed. The story goes on to tell us about David. David began asking, 2 Samuel chapter 9, verse number 7, are there any heirs? Is there anyone living, descendants of Saul, They said, well, there's this young boy, Mephibosheth. David said unto them in verse 7, Fear not, for I will surely show thee kindness for Jonathan, thy father's sake. Watch this. He feasted. He was fallen. He lived in fear. But then he was found, and now he's feasting again. Can I tell you, that's all the result of a full circle faith in a full circle God. I'm sure that when Mephibosheth was dropped and wounded and lived in fear, he never thought that he would ever sit at the king's table again. It's over with. I enjoyed it while I had it, but the rest of my life I will live in fear. But oh no, the God of Mephibosheth is a full circle God and the same table that he ate at one day. Yes, he would fall. Yes, he would be fearful. But one day he would be found and one day he'd go back and sit at the table again. Can I tell you, that's the same God I serve. Hey, you ought to be discouraged this morning. You shouldn't be fearful or doubtful. By the way, think about how you got saved. Watch this. Back in the Garden of Eden, mankind walked with God. We feasted on the riches of God's presence. But then what happened? Just like Mephibosheth, we fell. And then we lived in fear. But then someone found us. And now we feast on the riches of his grace. Why? Because we serve a full circle kind of God. Now what did David tell Mephibosheth? Because of thy father's sake. I'm going to bless you, not because of you, 
but because of who your father is. Can I tell you this morning, you ought to just keep on, keep on keeping on about the will of God for your life. Stick with the purpose for which God called you. Do you know why? Because you serve that very same God, and he's going to do it not because of who you are, but because of who he is. Number one this morning, why should you have a full circle faith? Well, it's because God can do it in spite of our self. But then I want you to see something amazing. We keep reading verse 12. God says, I'll give you this token. I'm going to do it in spite of you. Don't worry about that. I wasn't going to, it wasn't because of you anyway. And then verse 13, watch what Moses says, and we're going to hurry. And Moses said unto God, Behold, when I come unto the children of Israel, and they shall say unto them, The God of your fathers hath sent me unto you. Watch this next line. Okay, don't miss this. And they shall say to me, What is his name? What shall I say unto them? Now, please don't miss this, okay? At first, Moses was worried about, who am I? God, I don't think that I'm good enough. So now in verse 13, he's moved beyond who he is, and that excuse has been knocked down. God says, hey, that excuse doesn't hold up. I'll bring you full circle. Don't worry about it. Now Moses says, okay, what about them? What about them? Look at chapter 4, verse 1, right across the page. Here's Moses still worried about them. And Moses answered and said, but behold, they will not believe me. So number one, watch this. You ought to have a full circle faith. You know why? Because God's going to work in spite of you. It's not you, it's God that's going to get it done in the first place. But now Moses is concerned about them. He says, what do I do about what they have to say? Number two, watch this. God says, Moses, I give you the promise that I'm going to work, number two, in spite of the second guessers. Not only is God going to work in spite of ourself and who we are or who we are not, God says, Moses, it's not about you, it's about me, and I'm going to work in spite of you. And then God says this, Moses, I'm going to work in spite of them. doesn't matter what they say. Verse number 13, he says, when they ask me, what do I say to them? Verse 1 of chapter 4, behold, they will not believe me. Can I tell you the truth this morning? It doesn't matter what they say. We serve a full circle kind of God. And no matter what they say, the very same God that led you out can bring you back in. Hey, that'll encourage you this morning. Why? Because they say a lot. Right? They say all kind of stuff. If you drink the water, you're going to die. If you go swimming in this water, you're going to get amoeba in your ears. It's going to eat your brain. Some of you don't have to worry about it. But hey, some folks will be up a creek. They say if you eat ice cream before you go to bed. Look, I had a guy in college, he told me this. He says if you, dr- you eat ice cream and then drink sweet tea, you'll get instant kidney stones. Do you know for years I was scared to death to eat ice cream and drink sweet tea? Why? Because I've heard of kidney stones. I've been around people with kidney stones. I didn't want no part of that. But I was influenced by what they say. That dude lied to me. A guy in Bible college, but Edward, think about that. A guy in Bible college lying to me. Folks, if you're not careful, God's will for your life will be influenced by what they say. Could I just encourage you for a moment? Doesn't matter what they say. Doesn't matter if the second guessers doubt God's purpose for your life. God says, I made you a promise, Moses, that just as sure as I lead you out, I'm going to bring you back. Doesn't worry about what they say. Our teenagers this morning, you ought to latch hold of that one. Why? Because as these young people seek to live by the will and word of God for their life, they are going to say a lot, aren't they? Do you know why Adam and Eve failed? They listened to a second guesser. What did God say? God says, don't eat it. Don't eat it. 
for thou shalt surely die. What did Satan say? Listen close. Yea, hath God said, thou shalt not surely die. God knows in the day that you eat that, you're going to be just like him. Do you know why Adam and Eve fell? Stick with me. Satan got them to second guess. They second guess what God said. Oh, I hate to tell you, you're in for a lot of trouble this morning in your life if you allow the voice of the second guessers to be louder than the voice of God. Do you know why Peter sank in the water? He sank in the water because he second guessed. Jesus says, Peter, come out here and walk on the water with me. Man, Peter, without a, a, a thought, just jumps out there walking on the water. And then watch this. He starts looking out the corner of his eyes. Oh, the wind's blowing. storm's starting to blow up. Oh, my goodness. And he started to sink because he second guessed. Folks, relax this morning. Get on about the will of God for your life because you can have a full circle faith in spite of the second guessers. The second guessers are always going to be there. One of my heroes is Nehemiah. I love preaching about Nehemiah. I've preached about him since I was a teenager. Well, Nehemiah's up there on the wall, and he's got Sambalat and Geshem and Tobiah, the Ammonite, those folks that are down there, and they're always calling up to him, hey, it's going to fall down. If a fox climbs on that wall, it's going to fall down. What are you doing? You're going to rebel against the king nonstop, second-guessing. What did Nehemiah say? I can't come down. Nehemiah says, I know what God's called me to do, and I can't come down. I'm not going to listen to the second guessers because I serve a full circle God. And just as sure as he led me to build this wall, he's going to help me complete building this wall. Hey, you ought to get out there and do the will of God. Why? Because God's going to do it in spite of the second guessers anyway. There was a young musician many, many years ago. Got up and gave his performance. The next morning, got up and began reading in the newspapers. And boy, the critics ate him alive. Critics are always going to be there, by the way. They're always going to be there. He was downtrodden, thinking about quitting doing what his heart desired and what his gifts demanded that he do. And there was a Finnish composer by the name of Gene Sibelius. He came up to him and put his arm on his shoulder, and he said these words, Remember, son, there is no city in the world that has raised up a statue to a critic. There's not a city in the world who's ever gone out and built a great uh, pedestal with a bronze statue on it, celebrating the life of a critic. But, oh, there's bronze statues all over the world celebrating those who wouldn't give up, who wouldn't quit, who persevered with the gift that they have. And you've got to learn, keep going in spite of the second-guessers. Why? They're always going to be there. Oh, the devil sends people to frustrate your purpose. I have a lot of critics. Sometimes it's my own doing. But can I tell you, regardless of the critics, I still got a calling. The God that called me to do what he's called me to do doesn't change his mind just because I get criticized a little bit. Matter of fact, sometimes crit- criticism is the best thing to help bring you back to the Lord. Amen. Think about some of the greatest works in the word of God. And think about how they happened on the other side of critics. Okay? Second guessers. Second guessers. So here's David. His brothers get called in to become future king. One of them is, and we know the story. His dad didn't even call him there. Watch, his dad doubted his calling. His own dad. Second guessed his calling. It's surely it's not him. Well, then David's headed to the battlefield not long after that. He gets to the battlefield, and his brother says, what are you doing here? I mean, classic big brother move. You're just here to see the battle. Watch, now his brothers are second-guessing his motives. 
His dad second-guessed his calling. His brothers second-guessed his motive. And then he gets up there wanting to go kill Goliath. And the king tells him, you can't go. He's a man of war from his youth. He'll kill you, man. He's going to kill you. Now the king is second-guessing his ability. Dad second-guessed his calling. Brothers second-guessed his motive. And now the king second-guesses his ability. Can I tell you, most of us would have quit and went home right there. You get tired of being second-guessed. Gets out there to the battle. The enemy looks at him and says, am I a dog? I mean, here's this little punk kid comes out here to fight me. Goliath was insulted. Just this little kid coming here to fight me. And now we have the enemy. He's second-guessing his chances. So dad second-guessed his calling. His brother second-guessed his motives. The king second-guessed his ability. And now the enemy is second-guessing his chances. But can I tell you, in just a few moments, the same God that sent that boy down there would bring that boy back with the head of the one that was second-guessing him. Why? Because he had a full circle faith. He says, the God of heaven, he's going to deliver me. David was unfazed because God did it in spite of the second-guessers that were there. Heard a funny story years ago about a, uh, a man, he was a, uh, a lifelong college professor and tenured professor and uh, was in this meeting and suddenly, this is hypothetical, okay, don't ask me if this really happened after the service because it didn't, but it's a hypothetical story that gives a good illustration. An angel appeared to him in the meeting and says, because of all your faithful years of teaching, we're going to give you one thing, either wisdom, riches, or beauty. Man, sister, he's thinking to himself, wisdom, riches, or beauty. And he says, well, you know, in the Bible, Solomon asked for wisdom, so that's the right thing to do. So he says, give me wisdom. So all of a sudden, man, he just felt this feeling come over him and started feeling smart. Probably got him a pocket protector and, you know, stuff like that and protractor in his pocket, something like that. And he's sitting there endowed with all of this wisdom. And one of his colleagues says to him, well, tell us something wise. Thought for a moment, stared off into the distance. He says, yeah, I should have took the money. Should have took the money. You know, we're all prone to second-guessing ourselves, aren't we? Why? Because we're human and we're frail. People start second-guessing us and we're thinking, God, are you sure? God, I mean, did you call me? Did that really happen back there at Mount Horeb? Can I tell you, never second-guess what God's called you to do. Why? Because God's just as sure as the day that he called you. And just as sure as he called you out, he has promised to bring us back in. There's no need to second guess that this morning. I was reading Job this past week. Do you know why Job made it to chapter 42? Stick with me, all right? I'm going to hurry. Job chapter 42 is the end of the story where Job makes it through all the trial that he had. Do you know how Job survived? He didn't listen to the second guessers. The entire time, people are dogging him and nipping at his heels. And Job, you've messed up. And Job, you don't know what you're doing. And Job's mad at you. And nonstop, second guess, second guess, second guess. But Job says, when he hath tried me, I shall come forth. He knew that God was going to bring him full circle. And so he kept looking to God and trusting God. And at the end of the chapter, God makes the second guessers go ask Job to pray for them. God brought it. But can I ask you this, what would have happened if Job in chapter 40 had said, I'm tired of this, I'm quitting, I'm going home. He'd have never seen all that God wanted to do. Can I tell you why you can have a full circle kind of faith? Because number two, God's going to do it in spite of the second guessers. I have a picture I want to show you this morning before we get on to the third point. 
It's a picture of a painting that used to hang in the Louvre in Paris. It's become known as Checkmate. And amazing story behind this painting that is there. It's a picture of a young man who is playing chess. Some of our guys are in the chess now. Saw him play in the cafeteria the other day. And uh, the picture depicts a young man playing Satan in a game of chess. And as the story goes, the, behind the picture, whoever wins the game wins their soul, where if the young man loses, his soul belongs to Satan. For years and years, that picture hung. It was just auctioned off 1999 in Christie's, and it all belongs to a private individual now. But for years, people would pass by that painting and look at that picture called Checkmate, and they were lamenting for the young man. What a horrible thought to play chess with Satan and lose. And they look at the picture on the young man's face, and he's distressed, and he's downtrodden. Why? Because Satan has him. Before the painting sold at private auction, there was an individual from Cincinnati, Ohio. He played chess but wasn't the greatest at it. It was curious if all the pieces on the board legitimately spelled checkmate. So he called a man, I believe his last name is Morphy, out of New Orleans, Louisiana, He says, you're the world champion, you're the grandmaster. At that time, he had never been beaten. And he calls Jack Morphy to come look at the painting. He says, could you explain to me if this is indeed a checkmate? So Jack Morphy flew to go look at the painting. And he stood for minutes and hours staring at the painting. And he began moving in his mind the pieces thinking, nope, checkmate. He would move them a different way, checkmate. He kept moving them in his mind, thinking to himself, well, evidently this is a checkmate. And hours after hours, Morphe stood in front of this painting trying to decide, was that truly a checkmate? All through the years that people looked at that painting, they assumed that that young man had been defeated and his soul now belonged to Satan. And yet at that moment, Jack Morphe, the grandmaster of chess, stood in front of that painting. Suddenly, the individual from Cincinnati watched his face light up and he gasps. Suddenly Jack Morphy points at the painting and says, make that move, young man, you've got him. And Jack Morphy began to explain that yet there was a way in that manner of chess right there that the young man could beat Satan. He says, make your move, you've got him. Now all of these years they thought the young man was defeated. All these years, people looked at that young man and said, he can't get it done. It's over. Satan's got him on checkmate. But when the grand master stood in front of it, he showed him, hey, it's not over. You keep moving. Make your move. You've got this. That's what our father does. Oftentimes, the naysayers file by our life, and they look at our life, and they say, you can't do it. It's over. There's no way that you can win. Oh, you've been trying, you've been working at it, but you just don't have what it takes to get it done. And yet the grand master of all creation calls out to his children and says, hey, make your move. You've got this because you have a full circle faith kind of God. Folks, there's no reason to quit this morning. The world tells you you've got a checkmate. The world tells you your home is over. You've lost your children. There's no way to win this country. But listen to me. I serve God, a faithful God. And God says, make your move. God says, don't quit. God says, don't stop. God says, don't throw in the towel. You got this, but you got to make the move. That's what he was telling Moses. Moses, don't worry about what they say. Make your move. The verse for my daughter, it's been in my heart since she was born. And I share it with her offer as Ecclesiastes 7.18. It is good that thou shouldest take hold of this. Yea, also from this withdraw not thine hand. 
This is what I tell her often. He that feareth God shall come forth of them all. He that feareth God shall come forth of them all. Tell that kid, make your move. You keep moving. You don't throw in the towel. You stay on the purpose for which God called you to do. Why? Because the Bible says you fear God, you're going to come forth. God didn't lead you out here to die. Hey, God didn't call you to do what he called you to do for you to fail. God wants you to keep going. You've got to understand you can do it in spite of the second guessers. Augustine said this, Lord, deliver me from the lust to defend myself. You're talking about one that hits home. That hit home. Why? Because oftentimes I feel the lust to defend myself. I don't like being criticized. I'm just being straight up honest with you. And now we have so many avenues to criticize, don't we? Used to we criticize somebody in their face. Now we can do it on the computer, social media. And Oh, I don't like being criticized. I don't like hearing what somebody said. And I, by the way, hey, do the biblical thing. Come tell me. Don't tell somebody else what you think about me. Come tell me. That's biblical. If you want to be about the will of God, hey, come tell me. Don't tell somebody else. And boy, after a while, you get so tired of wanting to defend yourself. But can I tell you, in the end of it, if I'm about the will of God for my life, being obedient to the word of God for my life, it really doesn't matter what others say. That I can have a faith that's going to come full circle, regardless and in spite of the second guessers. Second guess all you want. Now hear me out before we give you the last point. This morning you may have quit on God because you've been listening to the second guessers. What did he say? Verse 13. When I come, and what should I say unto them? Hey, don't worry about what you're going to say to them. Worry about what you're going to do for God. John Wesley, we know him, great preacher from the 1700s. Preached a sermon, came down from the pulpit, and there was one of those lovely people who helped him get his life where it needed to be. He had a bow tie on that day, and I'm not a bow tie guy, okay? And I'm this, I'm what I am. But he had a bow tie on, and the little strings from the bow tie hung down long, and she says, those strings just look unattractive for a preacher, and I don't think you should wear those. I'm sure she had other things more pressing in her life, but for some reason she thought she needed to tell the preacher that, and so she did. He says, she says, would you mind if I adjusted them for you? He says, Absolutely. She pulls out a pair of scissors, true story, cuts them off. He says, ma'am, can I ask you a question? She says, sure. He says, could I give you a little bit of criticism? She says, well, if I'm willing to dish it out, I'm willing to take it. She says, yes, you can give me some criticism. He says, hand me the scissors. He handed her the scissors. He said, stick out your tongue. Attaboy, Wesley. Attaboy. Thank God I'm not the only one. I keep a pair of scissors in my back pocket. Man, we want to defend ourselves against the critics. I found out a while back, if I stop to defend myself against every critic, I'm not going to get very far down the road of the will of God for my life. I'm not discounting the critics. I'm just saying, at some point, you've got to decide that I'm going to have a full circle faith. I'm not going to quit on God because God's going to work in spite of the second guessers. Finally, I want to show you something, and this will help you today if you'll hear me out, okay? 
I promise to give you the time back tonight if I go a little bit late. I want you to look down to verse number 19. I couldn't help but chuckle when I read this. Watch this. So God's called him. God's given him an answer to everything. And then God says this. By the way, here, verse 19, and I am sure that the king of Egypt will not let you go, not by a mighty hand. Could you just imagine how Moses felt? Every question he had, God answered it. Moses, I'm going to do it in spite of you. I'm going to do it in spite of them. Oh, and by the way, the king's not going to let you go. The leader of the known world is not about to give in to a shepherd who just came out of the woods of Midian. But God says, I'm going to bring you full circle. What did he tell him back in verse 12? I'm going to bring you full circle. Don't worry. I'm going to bring you full circle. I want you to notice how he's going to do it. Number three, God says, it's going to be hard in verse 19. But I'm going to bring you full circle in spite of the struggle. I'm going to bring you full circle in spite of the struggle. If there's anything that will cause you to doubt God's promise in your life, can I tell you what it is? It's struggle. Struggle. I would be lying to you this morning if I didn't tell you that at some point over the last almost four years of all that we've gone through, there have been times I doubted God. God, why? Are you sure? Did I make a mistake? Why? Struggle. Struggle. Maybe your faith is way higher and better and stronger than mine, but the times I usually doubt God is the times when I am struggling and I'm going through a difficult time. You know when Peter started doubting Christ out on the water, it was when he started to struggle. We started, I want to show you something real quickly. Turn to the book of Mark, and we'll close with this. Turn to the book of Mark, and I want you to look down to verse 45 real quickly. Chapter 6, Mark 6, verse 45. I want to give you this. I promise we're going to draw this to a close, but you need to get this last part, okay? You can have a full circle faith in spite of yourself in spite of the second guessers, and in spite of the struggle. Verse 45 of Mark chapter 6, Jesus, the Bible says, straightway he constrained his disciples to get into the ship and to do what? And to go to the other side. So they get in the boat, they departed. The Bible says Jesus went to pray. Verse 47, even was come, he was in the midst of the sea, and he alone on the land. Watch verse 48. And he saw them what? Toiling. You know what that means? They were struggling. Jesus told them, get in the boat, go to the other side, and now they're struggling. Look at verse 48. The wind was contrary to them. <laughs> the last part of verse 48 is beautiful. He cometh to them walking upon the sea, watch, and would have passed by them. You think about how cruel. How cruel. Here we are out here. We're rowing. We're struggling, we're toiling, trying to row this boat, the wind's blowing against us, and here comes Jesus, and you're thinking, woohoo, he's here to rescue us, and he just keeps going. Huh? Why wasn't he worried? I love it. Well, he already told them they were going to the other side. He says, listen, I know you're struggling. I know you're toiling. I know the wind is contrary to you, but I made you a promise. I was going to bring you to the other shore just as much as I promised you to get out there and to go. I'm going to bring you to the other side. Full circle. Folks, hear me out this morning. 
You can be faithful. You can fulfill your purpose. And you can do it in spite of the struggle. Why? Because you serve a full circle faith kind of God. William Carey, the father of modern missions, had a college not, down, not far down the road named after him. Served for seven years in India, 1793. Never saw one convert in seven years. I get discouraged when we go a few weeks without somebody getting saved. Seven years. He wrote a letter to his sisters. I'm going to read it for you verbatim before we close. I feel as a farmer does about his crop. Sometimes I think the seed is springing and thus I hope. A little blast in all and my hopes are gone like a cloud. They're only weeds. Or if a little corn sprung up, it quickly died, being either choked with weeds or parched by the sun of persecution. Yet I still hope in God and will forth in his strength and make mention of his righteousness, even of his only. He says, I'm not going to quit because the God that called me here, the God that gave me a purpose, also gave me a promise. And he kept serving God and oh, how God would bring fruit that abounded to his account for all of his labors. Can I tell you this today? You ought to stay faithful to God because God is a full circle God. The God that called you to whatever he called you to is going to bring you back again. You may be like Mephibosheth and you may have fallen. You may be living in fear, but I promise you, your God knows where you're at. You can be found and one day feast again. Why? Because that's the kind of God we serve. He's faithful. There's no excuses this morning. Watch this. He's going to do it in spite of yourself. He's going to do it in spite of the second guessers. And he wants to do it in spite of the struggle. But there's one caveat. Is he your God? See, this was Moses' God and he could depend upon it because it was his. Do you know for sure that he's your God? Oh, you have a reason to be doubtful and fearful this morning as we face an uncertain life here in 2023, not knowing what tomorrow holds if you don't know he's your God. The good news is you can know that today, that he's yours. And the very God that called you is not going to leave you. He promised never to leave you or forsake you. That's the God that I serve. Do you know for sure that you're saved today? If you died right now, are you certain you're going to heaven? If not, I'd love for you to come down in just a minute when our heads are bowed and eyes are closed. You come down. We'll get somebody to talk to you. But let me ask you a question, Christian. Let me ask you a question. Have you quit on God because you couldn't? Here's the good news. It was never about you to begin with. Certainly, I will be with thee. Have you quit on God because of what the second guessers are saying? Hey, don't worry about them. God's going to bring you back full circle just like he promised. Or maybe you've just struggled for so long and you've started quitting on God. Don't quit. Why? Because the God that sends you out is the same God that wants to bring you back. Why don't you find a full circle faith this morning? Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Let's